to and we're live yep yep say something scrap listen <clears throat> that ain't a good look either boy whole room full of men with some lotion on oh, the man, so, man episode 65 mastermind podcast we got special guests in the house yes sir the very talented rb jones mr rb oh, jones how you doing yes sir doing great and also in the house we have Mr. The Great Rick Margrove. How y'all doing? Doing good tonight. That Uncle Ernie right now. Yes sir. Yes sir. Listen, man, we'll bring y'all up to the podcast tonight. Well, I was given um, I had respect for protocol, mm-hmm. and uh, I was given marching orders mm. that I was supposed to be here about five minutes to seven. Right. And so. I showed up seven <laughs> minutes to seven. Right. You know? Yeah, that's what's up. Um, I seen you last night um, at the um, city council meet. You know, um, first I want to say um, you very well spoken. You know what I'm saying? You went up there, you handled yourself great. Um, but you you be letting go of the business, right? That was that was the main mm-hmm. thing that you was talking about. So, um, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because yeah, well, I, the, in order to receive a grant um, from USDA, yes, um, you have to have a publicly elected body to be your fiduciary agent, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and historically, um, when the government had given grants, folks would do what they were supposed to do for six months, a year, whatever else, and then run off with the proceeds. Mm-hmm. And that was really mishandling public monies. So the way they would put a handle on it was to um, to give, still give grants, but give it to a give it to a publicly elected body, which is the, which is the people, mm-hmm. and um, and you would get whatever you need through um, that that thing. So the city acted as one for me, and if I needed a truck, I would go to the city and say, "Hey, I want that truck." Mm-hmm. The city would then buy that truck. Mm-hmm. And within three days, then they would be reimbursed by USDA. Okay. So the city was would um pretty much be the middleman and buying you equipment if you needed it. Yes. Yes. Um. So, what was it like through a grant or how did it work? Yeah, I received a grant um to 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 do recycling. Mm-hmm. And um, I, it was I think it was the largest grant that I would ever. Issued to a for-profit business in the history of Mississippi, right. and it's certainly the largest grant that a minority had received in Mississippi. And uh, of course, I was honored by that, and um, I was also honored because the city had an EDD director at that time, an EDD program, right. and I didn't come through that program. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm like an outsider coming in. So there was some nuances that happened, you know, because you know you got to be, you got to be in the loop. You know, when you come to small town, even though right. you're coming back home, mm-hmm. and um, so the city uh, trusted me enough to say, "We will act as your fiduciary agent." And uh, the city then was most respectful because the city never tried to run my business. Right. They they took the role of helping me with my business, and so mm-hmm. I wanted to come back to them and say that I thank you, and um, and you know I'm closing the business for some right. reasons that's beyond. City's reach. Before we get there, um, could you explain what the EDV is? Like, we know what it is, but for the viewers, it's the Economic Development Commission uh-huh. that existed here. Okay. And um, I think that and that, it, was, that, that office was actually funded by 
the county, but it worked for city resources. Mm -hmm. I think I think that's the way it worked. And their role was to help incubate businesses and to help start businesses and to help um, ongoing businesses for that matter. So anybody uh, with a business dream can kind of go through them in uh, the EDV. EDD. EDD, okay. Uh -huh. Economic Development. Development. District. 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 Okay, I don't know what the V came from my head. But uh, anybody with a business idea or dream can um, pretty much go through them and the city will help them upstart their business basically like Water County. Let, let me jump in just a little bit. Okay. Uh, the Economic Development District, uh, there should be one in every county mm -hmm. uh, across the state. It's a way in which funds flow from the Mississippi De Development Authority, MDA, Mm -hmm. back into communities. They are recognized by the state and in some agencies by the federal government as the people to make grants to, to help stimulate uh, economic impact jobs, uh -huh. basically. Uh, they are the recruitment agency that receives the funds. Um, they are supposed to work to bring all entities in the city together as a part of that. And so they have what's called the Grenada County Incubator. Uh, it's for small businesses. They share uh, copy machines. They share other kind of business resources. Sometimes transportation expenses under one roof. It's out in the it's out in the industrial park now. Uh -huh. I don't know if a lot of people know about it, but if you Google it, the Grenada <coughs> Incubator, mm -hmm. it'll have a telephone number with the Economic Development District's name on there for people who have interest like that. They want to know if you got a a business plan three to five year instrument that's going to tell you how much you plan to invest, how much you plan to spend. I heard this gentleman say that before he even came back to Grenada, he had spent $382,000 of his own money putting together a business plan. And so when he tells me that he got more money out of MDA and out of the state of Mississippi than anybody, black or white, ever has for a for-profit business, it's because he had put him a plan together mm -hmm. and invested his money, and he could show them where they were going to get their money back. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking too much. No, no, absolutely mm -hmm. not. Uh, but the thing is, the city does that. I, I, I just jotted down a few on the way over here because mm -hmm. of the call I got. Ben Swinger did an expansion. The city wrote the grant for them, and that was the reason why they were able to get more jobs, city of Grenada. Uh, ADP did their expansion, finna do another one with the uh, spec building right now. Mm -hmm. uh, grant through the city of Grenada so that they can receive the funds. We hold the money and then as they do their project, they come get the money from us and then we get reimbursed. Uh -huh. Seal that was about to be closed. Mm. It was about to be closed. We wrote and agreed with them on their plan, got the money. Uh, Grenada Stamping. Remember when they put the propane tank line in? Right. Mm -hmm. That whole expansion, that new whole piece, city of Grenada. But the only person who came back, I shouldn't say, the person who publicly said thank you last night, mm -hmm. after having a rough experience that's related to the trade embargo with, with Asia, and you went into that really well last mm -hmm. night, how there were so many people affected in Grenada County, even in the factory. Uh -huh. by what's going on in D.C. He's the first person <coughs> to bring out that it's costing jobs. Because mm. he was employing people here. Mm. He had some people working for him. I used to see him all the time. Mm -hmm. And and so um, 
for the city, most of the time what we're going for is economic impact. Right. The way in which we can put some more money into the pockets of the people that want to work in the city. Right. And people who have a business plan and are willing to put it together, we're willing to go to the people who give out the grants and ask them to fund it. Right. I didn't mean to... to, to you know, he's got a lot of experience. Yeah. So, um, a lot of people, though, don't necessarily know R.B. Jones. Mm-hmm. Give the people a quick rundown on the accomplishments and the accolades that you received over your time. Well, I, uh, uh, I'm a 70-year-old man, you know, and um, I've had a, a breadth of experiences. I've been blessed. Mm-hmm. I've been extremely blessed. Um, I was born and raised right here in Grenada, and um, I joined the Southern Christian Leadership Conference as the youngest staff member to ever work directly for Dr. King, mm-hmm. and I was 17, and I graduated from high school when I was 17. So uh, Robert Johnson, who happened to be Lewis Johnson's brother, was number one in the state, and I was number two. Mm-hmm. And um, I suppose I was hard-headed because my parents uh, decided, after a lot of discussion, to let me be sent all every place to do whatever else. And upon graduation, um, (coughs) people had begun to riot in the cities, in the inner cities, Mm -hmm. Los Angeles in particular, Uh Compton, South, uh, southern part of the city. And uh, the movement uh, felt that I was mature enough, although I was just 17, to go to Los Angeles and live with folks and work with around and live around young people and began discussing peaceful conflict resolution as opposed to rioting. Mm-hmm. Um, the Southern senators caught on to what was happening and um, they somehow deemed that as, uh, because I was getting $50 every two weeks and the other youngsters were too, that that was child labor mm-hmm. and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference was in violation. So um, our choices was to come back home uh, to find sponsors in California that would send us to school, that would support us, and, and whatever else. And that's what I did. There, were, there was a brewing Grenada project, uh, professors from UCLA, who had actually been to Grenada. And uh, they kind of like uh, brought me in and and incubated me uh-huh. to go to school and to grow up and get grown and, and do all of the stuff. Uh-huh. And um, and years later, of course, well, I served as mayor um, in a city that uh, I was on the school board in uh, 12 years. Um, and I had elevated to state president of school boards for the state of California. Uh-huh. And um, I served in there. And then our city became the murder capital of the USA based on its size. Mm-hmm. Um, and so folks were saying, run, 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 run. And at that point, I was I was in a position where I had to start making a living, you know. And um, and so I did. I ran for it. For, um, and I said to the people who had talked to me, I said, like, if you raise the money for me to run, I'll run. But I'm not going to work to raise any money because I've been burnt out, you know. And uh, so they did, and I won. And... Um, the next year, um, I was mayor, and we went from 46 murders to two. Mm. And so people thought that I was onto something, uh-huh. <laughs> you know. But it was a it was a group of people, and we just needed organizing. We were 
the city council at that time was just black, and all they were were just black and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were no standards. There were no um, no tough skins, no tough decisions, because people were busy being black and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I had been raised different, and I have four children um, that was raised in that community, Mandala, Rafiki, Shabaka, and Abayomi. And if that ain't black, I don't know what it is. Black. <laughs> but we didn't, we, we didn't play <coughs> not going to school. We didn't play disrespect. We didn't do, you know, we didn't do none of that craziness and whatever else. Mm-hmm. And so we, uh, people began, began to love us in our, in, in our city. And um, we served, and we served the best that we could, and and, and retired and came back here uh, to do, re- well, I came back to my mother's funeral, and my children said to me, well, Daddy, nobody do recycling in Grenada. Why don't we do recycling? Why don't we do it, you know? Mm-hmm. But I'm the one that was going to be sent back here. And so I went to my congressperson, Anna Eshu in California, to get me to USDA, and they have a thing where they don't like to go past whoever the representative of that state is. And so she introduced me to Benny Thompson, and and it flowed down from there, and we wrote the the grant. But my most, uh, Energy Smart, the name of the business, um, cleaning up the city was not the most important thing that we offered the city of Grenada. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, I don't know of a, a city any place that is very active and thorough in recycling that don't make money and that don't serve local people. Right. I really don't. Every city, and it was a write-up in the Clarion Ledger three or four years ago that proved that to, without a doubt, uh, recycling is, is super important economically for uh-huh. a city. My greatest value is, is that I I took on and gave jobs to the underserved. The men and women that, and I wrote it in my executive summary, and I think this is one of the things that was attractive to, to the city council members. In my executive summary, I said that men and or women who had had a relationship with the criminal justice system, who had gone through that process and had come back and wanted to be acclimated back into the community as head of household, that I will hire those people first. These are the same people that stand on the corners. These are the same people that don't like the medicine that they get at Life Health. Mm-hmm. These are the same people who are hopeless and the same people who have not been trained to do anything. Mm-hmm. And the, the catch of it is, is that we, those of us, we tend to say that, well, they ought to pull themselves up by their bootstraps <laughs> like we did. The jobs that I had, my father had, he had when he was a youngster, Mm -hmm. those jobs no longer exist. When you tell a young man or young lady who have had some issues, who dropped out of school at seventh or eighth grade, even though they may have even went to the ninth grade, but they actually dropped out at an early age. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you tell them that they have to go online to get a job at Family Dollar, you're telling him or her that they they don't deserve a job. Right. So the only voice that they have is that when election time come, the politicians would go and they would gather them up and they'd give them hot dogs and chips and sodas. And then they don't see them no more. And then when election time come, then they give them barbecue. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And then somebody pick them up and tell them to go vote. You know, people don't want to buy into it. A lot of people don't. But that's why Hillary Clinton lost in terms of a whole lot of things because people never, people didn't give that that underclass anything, <clears throat> so they didn't go vote. Right. You, you follow me? And so I took on young people, young men and women. Charles, uh, I, I could say Charles Pryor. When I was looking for people to work, Charles Pryor was hanging out in front of Double Quick. Charles Pryor was a uh, hair all over his head. He was dirty. He would eat out of the dumpster that Double Quick at that time was selling food, mm -hmm. and they would put it in the dumpster. He would go in and eat, smelling and whatever else. I stopped and asked him if he wanted to work. He said yes. Charles probably intention was like so many work a week, maybe three or four days and whatever. And plus he was an alcoholic. But this is what had happened with Charles. Charles was married, did very, very well in school. His uh, mother married a white guy. And that white guy didn't like Charles for some particular reason. So they thought Charles was out of the house early. <clears throat> he got married, had three children. His wife got burned up in a fire, 27 years old. You're 27 years old, you're married, your wife gets burned up in a fire. Three months later, his sister was on the bicycle with, I think, with one of the Lee brothers coming back from Alabama, had a wreck, and both were beheaded. Mm. Where could he go? Where in this town do you go with that kind of issue? Mm, right. You follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, we Christians, we say pray. We, that's all we do. We don't, we don't provide counseling. We don't provide undergirding. We don't provide whatever else. So Charles mm -hmm. is an alcoholic because he's hopeless. And I'm not, not making excuses for him, but that's what happened. When you come from, when you pay child support, a small business, if you have children in different areas, small business can't hire you. You want to work. But we don't have the manpower to send DeSoto County $18, send Grenada County $54, send Montgomery County $22. But if you don't send it and you hire them, you're in bigger trouble. Mm -hmm. So it's not that you... You know, you can easily say, well, you shouldn't have had the babies over here, here, but they did. So now the guy want to work. Is he going to work with just a, and you give him a stub? It's not going to happen. He'd rather just not work. Right. You know? And then the other side of that is, is that people, we talk to our young men, but we don't talk to our young ladies. So the young man wants to go and get his son, but he can't go until after 10 o'clock on Saturday mornings because the boyfriend is there. So he can't go pick his son up because the boyfriend is in the house. So now he's upset, he don't want to pay. But where do you go? There's right. no place to go. So I, I take on these young men who, who have been who have not been trained to do anything, have no work ethics, has no nothing and whatever else. And we try to work with them, go to court with them, um, try to get them tutorials, um, try to get them, you know, to come and go and go to Bible class and 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 to do all of these things to try to get a sense of wholeness into them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pick them up for work, take them home for lunch, loan them money, da 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 da. So, so the value that we really offer is that section of the community that can't get a job no place else. They can come and work at Energy Smart. You know. So, um, what, what's your reason for closing? In like, um, could you give us a little more insight on well, why your business is closed? Yeah, well, I've been struggling for at least nine months um, when the when the president um, when the administration put the tariff on China China in turn put a retaliatory 
tariff on the United States of $1.8 billion. Mm. China, between that time, went to Paraguay, Uruguay, the Amazon, the rainforest, invested billions of dollars. And countries like China, because they don't do like we do, they don't, they don't go and just start cutting and whatever else. They cut here and plant there, plant there and cut here. You know, they're very environmentally conscious. Mm -hmm. And so they're attractive. So they went and they took all of the money, which meant jobs and, and you know, all kinds of benefits. And they refused to buy cardboard from the United States. Mm. Well, that $1.8 billion, my, 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 my business, you know, was directly affected. Mm -hmm. So I went all of this time because the people that had been in recycling for some time says, well, you know, it's, it's going to get low every now and then, every 15, 20 years or whatever else, but it comes back. You know, it's come back. So, whoa, whoa. so you use personal money thinking that uh, yeah. we're we under attack in the studio today. <laughs> so you use personal money to kind of supplement whatever else. So it went down from $180 to $30 a ton. Mm -hmm. And what that represents is a, a truckload of cardboard going out would, under those circumstances, bring in $4,200. When it went down to $30, that same truckload represents $600. Okay, so from six hundred to forty-two hundred, uh, an unwise businessman know that you can't, yeah, you like can't that. operate under those circumstances. And then it got to the point that after the domestic scavengers, the Georgia Pacifics of the world, and we've had come and bought us, bought up all they could at thirty dollars. You know, they put it on the field someplace and stack it up and just wait and wait and wait and wait. They can afford to do that. Um, then no now nobody buy. Mm -hmm. So I have about $25,000 worth of cardboard ordinarily on the floor somewhere, uh, but nobody wanted So you just got a surplus, you just stacking cardboard. Yep, and, and so it started costing me. It started costing me to even collect it. Mm -hmm. so, so I had no choice but to, to close the doors. Do you hold any other recyclable products, though, in your recycling business? Well, plastic, but that's China again. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of amazing that the state of Mississippi, um, I think the entire fleet of the, the, the Mississippi Highway Patrol and Department of uh, Transportation, yeah. their whole fleet runs off of methane gas. Right. Only way you're going to get methane gas, of course, is to melt plastic, right? right. Mm -hmm. But nobody built a plant because of the politics, so they have to buy methane gas from somebody else. Right. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but... Right. So with all your history of um, being in politics, um, have you ever thought about being running for councilman, maybe, or running for mayor in Grenada? No, I really have not. And the reason I have not is because um, I can be of more help um, serving on a commission or just having a conversation with a with a city council person. Mm -hmm. I think more people need to um, understand that aspect. That you can help a lot more on the outside. Yes, yes, yes. Really? If you have people in office that you trust, uh, it's so much that that uh, the public don't understand. You know, their um, their um, their jokes that I never bought into. How can you tell when a politician is lying? And the answer would be when he opened his mouth. 
That, that that's never been funny. That's never been funny. That ain't kind of funny. You know. Well, it's it's like if you say that a pastor or a preacher, the only thing they're concerned about is money and women. Right. You know. That's, that that should not be funny to to preachers and pastors. Well, yeah, yeah it ain't know. gonna be funny to them, but yeah. in general, it's gonna. It, it but it, gonna but it shouldn't funny. be, because again, if you if you look at Poli- po- politicians, put that on them though for lying. Yeah, you but, can't. You can't. Well, sometimes you, they lie. Listen, sometimes it just sometimes it falls hope. That what you gonna say? No, no that's not what I was sometimes gonna say. Sometimes it's real tape. Yeah, yeah, but, so that's not what I was gonna say. But we've wait, wait, caught wait. politicians in a lot of cases. Lying. You see what I'm saying? We done caught a lot of preachers doing things that they shouldn't yeah. be doing. Yeah. So the stigma don't come just because it comes because it happens. So. Well, if 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 there had been anybody perfect, Jesus would not have had to come. Yeah, most definitely. You know, he would have never had to go to the cross if somebody had been perfect. You know, uh, my point is that everybody is not the way that they're perceived and. The, the issue, the real problem in our community is is that our children have sat around the table and they've heard us talk mm-hmm. and they don't have respect for each other in the street because they don't see their parents having respect for anybody. It's true. You follow me? It's true. So when you get a community and a culture that have lost its, its, its thirst for respect, when they don't ever hear daddy say something good about another brother, that's true. When they don't ever hear mama say something good about another sister or another family. Preach. Then what we do is we buy off into another culture's perception of what's good and bad. Preach. So you have atheist white people opening up a meeting with a prayer and saluting the flag. Mm. And the second thing that come out of their mouth is we want to pray for the soldiers and pray for the police officers. That's because they live in fear. Police officers and soldiers get paid for what they do. Mm. And I, I'm 70. I have a son that served in Desert Storm. I love and respect. I have a brother that served two terms in Korea. I love and respect. But I've never met a human being in my life of any color, or any persuasion, that went to the armed services because they wanted to preserve democracy. We, we say that all the time. Everybody, you mm. go for a check. Yeah, that Camaro. Uh, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> so, 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 don't sell me with the idea that the Bible said pray for your leaders, because Pharaoh had an army, mm. you know, and so uh, the leaders that I pray for, of course, is my local leaders for sure, mm-hmm. you know. But most people think that when you say pray for leaders, I'm not somebody in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. But the men and the women that serve in Washington D.C. they were very decent men, like we are, until they got there under the influence mm-hmm. of money. They see how we're working, man. In the influence of power, so so they're not all crooked. So it's do just you, do you think our local politicians get like a bad rip because of misunderstanding, basically? Oh, no doubt about it. I, I was just sharing with uh, with uh, Councilman Hargrove that I understand how sometimes you can have. I, I served as mayor, and I would have two million dollars in a, in, a, in the pot, and folks would come in and talk to me about fixing the street. And the holes were there. I mean, people were breaking axles. The holes were there. They weren't lying. The holes were there. I couldn't fix the street because I couldn't get them to understand that the money that I had in the pot was categorically funded, which means that I could not spend money, that part of money, on the streets, no matter how bad it was. Mm -hmm. So it was incumbent upon me and the city manager and the rest of the council 
to go out and go out and find somebody that had some money that was designed for streets. Mm-hmm. But the public would think that, well, you got all of the money. You said you're going to fix the streets. Well, when I said I was going to fix the street and I was running, I didn't know about this categorical funded thing. I thought you could just take the money because you're the governmental body and fix the street. So I didn't lie. I didn't know what I was talking about. I was running on what I thought would be ideal. So a lot of that happens, and, and if it's not clarified, then we, we can go away as laymen thinking that the politicians are lying. Right. Um, we got a very, very important um, election coming up, right? Um, Uncle Hargrove, I, I, I want to get from you. Um, could you tell the people how important it is um, that this special election is going to be? Because a lot of people are saying, oh, well, if I got to vote again in May, I'll just wait to May to vote. <clears throat> Can you give the people insight on how important this, this special election is? It's crucial um, because it helps to set the tone for the next election and mm-hmm. for the next 50 years. Right. Every time your voice is represented by somebody else, you know, you pick somebody to speak for you, then you live with that choice. Right. And when you don't take the opportunity to select the person that you think you can talk to, that can speak up for you, then you live with what you get. And oftentimes you don't realize that what you get will be the person who decides how money is spent on your streets, mm-hmm. how money is spent for your children's future, how money is invested to bring new things to your community. So in this thing with Ward 5, that'll be one of seven people. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you think that the majority rules, then that one person that you elect is crucial because they're going to be the balance to either go for your opinion or against your opinion. And so if people don't get out on October 7th in Ward 5 and find a person that they think is going to make a commitment to them and not to money and not to power or popularity, Mm -hmm. then they're going to have to live with the consequence of whatever that person brings. And if they haven't taken time to talk to that person, then they don't think they're going to talk to them afterwards. Because the person's going to already be in place. Because a lot of people, they, they, how can I say it? Like, they, they want to go out and vote, right? But it's sprung up on them. So they feel like maybe I don't, I don't want to vote on somebody that's not going to do the job the way they say they're going to do it. Well, then they, they, you have to be mature at this point. Right. Along with what, uh, Reverend Hargrove was saying is that the really good thing about this coming election, this 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 one that just propped up, it gives you an opportunity to put someone in office, and if that person worked because you don't in in Grenada with a new city manager and all, mm-hmm. you don't have time to practice Mm-mm. and whatever else. This period of time is important enough to see whoever get elected. Right? Can they cut the mustard? And then it'll be that much easier to go out in the next election and elect right. for the time. So this this is important because this is actually the trial run yeah. for who could possibly be right. the, the term winner. Me and a good friend had a conversation last night, and he said in this election, the only person that he see that will lose out of all this is the person that wins. Because if they don't cut the most, it's going to be easier to replace him 
Absolutely. Compared compared Absolutely. to four years. So with yeah. so with all these candidates, if they felt that way, pretty much none of them run. Like I told him, I think that it's the, the most perfect opportunity that you can get in there for eight months. You get to try out eight months. It's just like getting a ten day contract <clears throat> in the NBA. If you really want it for them ten days, you're gonna go hard. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for them eight months, whoever could win it, they gonna go hard for it. Mm-hmm. And if they do a well enough job, especially in War Five, I'm in War Five. Mm-hmm. War Five is very councilman friendly, meaning that when they elect you, as we, long as you do things right, we rock it with they you. usually keep you. So I think this is the perfect opportunity. Like I think this is the time. I think if the person that wins this got a greater chance to win in May, but my friend thought otherwise. That's what I get to. But now. You know, the other thing that I think people forget, too, this time of um, census-taking. Right. That's good. Talk about that for a minute. Uh, the, the council that's going to be in place over the next couple of years will be responsible for helping to put the new congressional district in place. Right. Because we'll be shifting the information up to D.C. that makes those kind of decisions. Right. Um, if we don't have people in place who are aware of the consequences of the census, we might be misrepresented in that count. And things may not go to really the community's benefit, only just to one one aspect of the community's benefit. So you it it's a very important election. It's a very pivotal 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 time because next year, two thousand twenty is when the census is going to be taken and the new lines are going to be drawn for congressional districts. And right now we have Congressman Thompson. Right. But the last time we had a census, he was taken away from us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then we didn't have anybody to go to to help us get money like we do now. So it's important that everybody participate in, in the, the census. census. And I think they got it now where you can do it online, right? Uh. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, well, yeah. There'll be enough uh, uh, programs out there to <clears throat> get people involved. There'll right. be people hired to go around and do it and whatever else. But, um, but if you don't participate in this vote, then it's not gonna matter too much about the census. Right. You know. Yeah. I would look. I would think that um, if 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 I lived in Ward Five, and I say this just because of the fact that this election is coming right. up, um, I would never. I would never support anybody anybody without an interview of everybody that's running. Right. Mm-hmm. But I will say in this particular instance, if I had if I lived in Ward Five, the person that would agree to be a good listener would be the person that I'd be more attracted to. Most definitely. Nobody's running have had any previous experience mm-hmm. in government. Right. And running government is not like running your household. Right. It's not like running your store. It's right. not like running my energy. It's not running like anything. It's a whole different kind of animal. Mm-hmm. So you got to be willing to listen and learn. You know, and listening and learning doesn't mean that you always have to agree with everything here, there, wherever it does. Right. But it certainly means that you learn the nuances of government. And that's important. Right. That's, that is important. Well, if you're coming in and you, and you already have all of the answers, you'll be like I said that I was. Making promises, trying to suggest that I'm gonna do the right thing, but not knowing about categorical funding, not knowing about all these other kinds of things, and 
you can't do them, you can't deliver. Yeah. Then it's a bad name for one of the, One of the main things I like is the, the verbiage people use. I'll try instead of saying, yeah. Like, mm. I, I'll try to make that happen. It, it kind of put me in the spot where, okay, let me give you time to make it happen, opposed to you saying, yeah, and I'm looking for it in about six, seven months. I think that was me and Josh's problem. Like, me and Josh, we had a, 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 a little riff at the month, but I didn't understand politics. I didn't understand how money break down. And, like, when you come to me and you tell me, like, hey, I want to do this, I'm going to do this, and then it's like the money, though. But well, you why you ain't making it happen? Then he had to break it down to me. Can I, can I just say something about that? Because uh, when you talk about Josh, mm-hmm. uh, as a colleague in, in the uh, field with, with, Josh was one of those people who ran and came in with a lot of new and creative thoughts about how things would go. Right. And I really give him credit for being the impetus for the sports complex that we're getting ready to build. Mm-hmm. Because truly, he came in with a vision for for the uh, park and rec. And if you notice, immediately the fields start being transformed. Right. If you look at the fields over there now, they're completely different from when he mm-hmm. came. Right, right. He came in with ideas. He went to scrap places where we had abandoned stuff. Mm-hmm. And finally, he realized, man, I got to get seven other people to go with this. Because he was going independent. Right. Mm-hmm. And kind of going rogue a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he was getting a lot of stuff done. And what he did was he created a desire right. and, and a dissatisfaction with what we had because he kept saying we could do better. Next thing you know, once he started listening, we developed a plan that all of us could sit down and long range. Number one, the sports complex will do what Josh wants it to do. It will create a, a professional opportunity mm-hmm. for our children to get exposure and connected to traveling teams and to see what local talent can do when it becomes <coughs> regionally exposed. Right. Number two, and this was the part that I think that experience helped to, to develop, the economic impact out there will be super. Hotels, mm-hmm. uh, all kind of fun businesses. Um, Restaurants. Yeah. Re- yeah, thank you. As well as people who want to live out there. And, you know, Riverdale Road can really become a place for young people. Right. When you think about the, the not hundreds of thousands, but the millions of dollars of investment that will go into that, I say to myself that Josh is the example of a person who brings enthusiasm and who helps to um, stimulate what we need as a team right. to be, uh, of council persons. And it was because we were willing to listen. Mm-hmm. Very, that's how come I've been quiet most of this podcast. I'm listening. I'm listening to people who have been other places, mm-hmm. who bring ideas, who bring experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of times when people come in, they're not willing to respect the people who've been in place. Right. And that's listen true. to you know, what can happen with your new ideas if you're willing to work with people like him. Mm-hmm. You know, who could bring... $382,000 worth of investment from other people that they know. Right. And sometimes I don't think that people understand that while people are shooting out the side of their neck about what we're not doing the jobs-wise, that we're making sure that the jobs we have stay here mm-hmm. through writing grants. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's really somebody else, the Economic Development District's job. 
but we working to make sure that we don't lose what we have. You know, a lot of people don't know it, but we had a $20 million project that we took to economic development. Am I telling the truth? Mm -hmm. And it was brought from Atlanta, Georgia, $20 million. Trina George was here doing the USDA program. The people in Atlanta said, this is a great project, we'll fund the whole thing. And the people said, we're gonna do it in Mississippi. Well, if you're gonna do it in Mississippi, I got to have a 10%, that's $2 million buy-in from the local place. We couldn't get a bank in Grenada to invest mm, mm, mm. because it was minority-owned company. Right. You talk about bringing jobs, 75 new jobs the first year, 75 the second year. This is from the people on the city council, the African-American members of the city council bringing in 150 jobs that you never heard about because Economic Development District sees us as a financial partner to write grants, but not as a strategic partner right. to plan. And many of us, just like this fellow, if we were listened to, we'd be able to connect them with people across the globe, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. New York, because we got those connections. Right. And, and many of those people are financially able because they already are corporate owners. In his family, well, I won't go into his family, but in his family, he's got some corporate owners that, that encouraged him in his business. The problem <coughs> is that people don't want to listen and team together and work together. Not just new people, but the new people being influenced by people who are misleading them. Mm -hmm. And thinking that because they don't understand politics, they don't know how to access resources. Well, I came on to say, people can't access resources and start businesses and do anything they want to do if they're willing to work with people. Right. and listen and give respect because they're going to be respected because they want to do something. Right. They're not trying to be something. They're trying to do something. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. No, that was good. Um, I, I got something like, so census will help with that, right? Like, so the banks will know that the area that they represent is minority and they need to get those minority loans and grants, right? Well, you know, one of the things that the census helps to do is show population shifts. Mm -hmm. And Grenada is a hub. Mm -hmm. Everything around Grenada comes to Grenada to work. Right. Uh, everything around Grenada comes to Grenada to shop. And the numbers indicate that. So then that makes people who want to make money right. want to put something in Grenada. Right. Um, and they, they figure out how much Grenada can stand based on the numbers in the census. Mm -hmm. How much can I make? If I'm Chick-fil-A, should I come? Do they have enough people that they carry me? If I'm, what's the new one, Zaxby's? Right. We got so many new ones, I forget. I know, <laughs> Zaxby, Captain, Captain D. You know, <laughs> and, and so that's what I mean when I say impact. That's what you want, people that are willing to, to see the opportunity and potential and, and come here. Well, when I, uh, I came here with a $189,000 check and what year uh, was it? 2011. Okay. And um, I went to, I think, every bank in this town. And I wanted to borrow $10,000. I wanted to open the account, deposit $189,000, but I wanted to borrow $10,000 personally. I could not get it from not a bank here. 
Now, at that time, every bank president had a $300,000 threshold, which means that that bank person could make a loan up to that amount of money without taking it to its board. I only wanted $10,000. $10,000. And I could not get it. So I went to Memphis and opened my account there. Right. That's crazy. Just because of the fact that that was just so horrible to me, that being a minority. Right. And I don't care if you don't understand um, um, recycling, uh, differentiated from garbage, which is a noble job as well, mm -hmm. you know. But I could have gone to some friends. I could have gone to some people who didn't look like none of us. They would have called, and they would have given me a loan for 50000 Right. But I couldn't get it with 189000 government check. Right. Can, you follow can, me? Can, 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 can I put a pin right there? Yeah. And so a lot of times, it's not the people who are elected that's hindering the business development. Right. It's it's people who are afraid that if I give it to you, you'll do something with it. Yeah, you succeed. Yeah. And yes. so and so I'm on gatekeep. And if you don't have people that are willing to help show you other ways around it and give you support, you're just out there in the water. You know? There there's a there's a thing called CRA, Community Reinvestment Act, which says that every bank, every bank on the face of the earth, have to make a percentage investment in the indigenous community that they serve. So, But nobody have ever challenged any of these banks because none of the folks who have wanted the money, like myself, right. have had the time or the wherewithal to go through and sue them and whatever else. Right. You know, because it costs money. Yeah, because right. it costs money. But, but, but every every bank is probably in violation of the law. Because yeah. in in every low income community, and for for example, on Pine Hill, there should be a television. That's what the Community Reinvestment Act says. It mm -hmm. says you should have easy access. Well, nobody got no car. Well, you don't have no public transportation. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be able to walk to a teller. <clears throat> and get my money sure. from any bank I want to get it from. Mm -hmm. Well, if I sue the banks, God forbid that I'm saying sue the banks of Grenada, but if I sue the bank, somebody's going to have to say to to me and to a judge that knows the law, why is it that these people have a hard time accessing resources and services that other people get too easily because it's closer to their main, the main thoroughfare or to their neighborhood? Mm -hmm. Um, we were talking about larger places like Atlanta. That's stuff that people know. And so people are less likely to pull tricks because they know that people will collectively come together in class action mm -hmm. sue you. Mm -hmm. And because when they put their money together, they can't afford it. And you do have lawyers that know that once the money comes down, that they're going to get paid because they're going to get paid off the people who are going to have to pay. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and the Community Reinvestment Act, it goes right in, in line with the Federal Reserve Bank, who also makes those guarantees and gives loans and, and grants to minority business people and have trainings where they teach you how to write a business plan. Whether it's my son in music, whether it's me wanting to do housing, whether it's somebody that sees we got a gap in childcare, people working second shift don't have anybody to keep their kids for them in the evening, 
all of those are open markets mm -hmm. for anybody who would sit down and say, what I'm gonna do the first year, what I'm gonna do the second year, what I'm gonna do the third year, where am I gonna be, how much it's gonna cost, and put together a financial plan. That's nothing but a business plan. A, a, a projection of where I'm going, what it's going to cost, how many people I'm going to need, mm -hmm. what what I'm going to need to do my job. Once you get that, you're ready to go ask for a loan. Right. And if you can't get it from a conventional bank, you can go right down to Jackson and go in and talk to the Enterprise Corporation of the Delta who makes those kind of loans and they will help put you in an incubator situation. Yeah. so that you can then get finances. That's the kind of stuff we were teaching at the uh -huh. uh, Those kind of little short courses so that you learn how to take a little bit of money uh, and find people who want to help you get where you need to go. And that's what I'm... It's just people that are being willing to sit down and listen. So, to the both of y'all, um, what, are, what are some things, um, what are some jobs that can be brought to Grenada that we might be lacking on? Because well, you can think off the top of your head. Yeah. I ain't going to make you think too much. No, no, no. I, I'm, I mean, I'm really excited. Uh, uh, family and friends who know me well have not called me so much about how I feel emotionally because I knew I put everything in it that I had. Okay. And there's an old African proverb, when the elephants fight, the grass die. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I know how to get out of the way right. when, when something is completely beyond my control. Um, I'll be doing some work with the Speakers Bureau and I make a lot of money, and um, uh, they will require me to live in a city with a major airport mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they, you could get a call at eight o'clock that you know you you need to speak at twelve o'clock for luncheon in Denver. Mm -hmm. right. They don't want you to say that you can't get to the airport. One, secondly, they don't want you to say that. Uh, it's lightning in Memphis, and they can't bring the planes out when the weather's beautiful every place else. Right. So Jackson and, and Memphis would not be cities that they would 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 want me to live in, right. you know. Uh, but I could still live in Mississippi because of other things that's happening. True. But I'm excited to to talk to my council member about a number of things. I I know enough to know that the city of Grenada pays about fifty two thousand dollars a month for electricity. I know that there's a lot of money in Washington, D.C. that's bipartisan in energy. Um, Grenada Dam, uh -huh. about 192,000 square feet of water come out of that lake mm -hmm. every 30 seconds. Electricity is at $10 a kilowatt hour. Mm. A bit more sophisticated than just actually putting some pads down. But you could go in and put some padding down that go up and down as the water hit it, generate enough electricity to pay the city's light bill, have money to sell on the open market. Mm. That could happen within a year's time. Whoa. You know, you just gotta go get it. Whoa. I know for sure that it's it's against the law for the federal government to take jobs that would be incumbent upon the local neighborhood. Grenada Lake, 425 square miles, right? Oh. You got grass every place and whatever else. Go down and get that young man or that young lady that's not working. Have somebody from the city to work with them to get them bonded and get them insurance. So look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make you a businessman. We're going to make you an entrepreneur. We're going to buy you a lawnmower, a riding lawnmower, okay? Mm -hmm. And we'll give you everything to go with it. And you're going to cut so much of Grenada Lake. 
that's going to be your job, and you're going to get paid. Then we're going to bring you to the city, and we're going to pay you $300 a month to cut the parks in the city. You got your businessman, mm. businesswoman. Um, in, <coughs> in 2011, um, 2.4 million people visited the city of Grenada as a result of Grenada Lake. Mm. Mm. Okay, this is Chamber of Commerce numbers. Mm. 156,000 cars a day go down past exit 206. Mm -hmm. A day, right? Black people don't sell gas. They don't have motels. Mm -mm. They don't have restaurants. Mm -mm. They don't have. They don't sell beer. Don't sell they don't medicine. sell medicine. They don't sell license. They don't sell minnows. They don't sell newspapers. They don't sell anything. So what do we get out of 2.6 million dollar million people? Right. That's not your family. My family. His family coming. These are visitors coming down to spend money. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And that's why I, I always you, say. You follow me? Yeah. So why can't we? Go out and hire, go out and train somebody to be an entrepreneur, help them get financing, and they set up kiosks to wash and dry. That's $80,000 a year. Just to set up a washer and a dryer or a set of washer and dryers around the lake. You're a businessman. You've created a local businessman or woman. It's, yeah. it's, it's all out there. It's all out It's just that we need to, we need to get out of the box and realize that a job is a job. We need to do something about education in this community. We need to do something about education all over the country, but in this community in particular. Mm -hmm. When Reverend Hargrove was coming along, I was coming along, you had Son Ammon's father, Mr. Earl Ammon's, didn't go to college. You had Mr. Mass Sally, the concrete man, didn't go to college. You had, um, oh, I could just name Mr. Andrew Hooker, a farmer, truck patches in Willowville. Mm -hmm. Didn't go to college. You had Jimmy Willis's folks. Didn't go to college. Carpenters, bricklayers, da 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 da. Whatever. Back in the thirties and the forties, um, black men were head of households. There were a lot of them. The black community was was roaring. It was going. It was going and going. Somebody got the idea that this has to stop. So they came up with an idea that everybody ought to go to college. I'm one of those. I came along at that time where everybody would go to college, and we went to college. But when we got out of college, corporate America wasn't ready for us. Mm -hmm. So what did we do? Some went back to the community as businessmen, the Suge Knights and whatever else, and sold dope. I'm not excusing dope. You know what I'm saying? That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm simply saying that when we got out of college, the only thing that we could do would be school teachers, which is important. Or we could be real estate people, mm -hmm. which was the market was flooded. There was nothing for corporate America was not ready to receive us, right? Mm. So then, when that that failed and whatever else, then they came up with the new the new police. They took away our leadership. They offered churches faith based money, and if a church took that money, they could no longer discuss politics. Mm. The Jeremiah Wright thing, yeah. the whole bit and whatever else. Faith based if you if you take if you take the, the pastors out of the community, you take them out of the leadership positions, then who's gonna lead? Not just because they're pastors, but because of the fact that they have an audience, they have a captured audience. Mm -hmm. You got what I'm saying? Can I can I can I come in for a minute? Yeah.
You asked how to bring jobs. Mm-hmm. He's answering you in a way that's different. He's talking about changing the mindset from somebody giving me a job to, to, me, to me examining the needs in my town and deciding that the money is going to be spent. They can't spend it with me. Some of the money has not even been decided how it's going to be spent. I can create. We have a strip mall as a church, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. An arcade doesn't exist in Grenada. Where children go and put money in and play the game. Mm-hmm. You know, people spend hours doing that. True. You know, not just the thing where you shoot the gun, just where you drop it in the machine. Yeah. Anybody can go and rent those machines and rent a, a cheap space, and they would they would have access to all the kids and time to spend with their mind talking to them, getting to them. Because kids now are not out playing ball; they into a machine, mm-hmm. whether it's on their telephone or whether it's in a in a space like an arcade. But you got to see some, some thing. That's a small notion. Right. He's talking about businesses where, um, um, I have a Wilson's Electronics with with a mm-hmm. with a barbershop next to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Or where I have a Hankins car dealership, uh, where people are not afraid to be their own boss and make their own money and employ their own people and believe that you don't get everything out of a book. Some stuff you get out of service mm-hmm. and knowing how you want to be served when you are waited on to spend your money. Absolutely. Uh, and people took that away from us because they told us that we were not educated enough or polished enough. Well, we always have been. We've been doing the service stuff anyway. We've just been doing it in the kitchen behind the door. Right. Um, so I want you to get the difference between waiting on somebody else to bring you a job and sitting down with a group of people like the men of Gore Springs and saying, you're going to do refrigeration, I'm going to do mechanics, and mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, gonna to do carpentry, and we're going to support <clears throat> each other. Right. When you need an electrician, you call me. When you need a bricklayer, you call me. When you need a person to get up and talk, call Reverend, and he'll call everybody together. Mm-hmm. And then we'll sit down and have a meeting of the... He ain't bossing. He just calling everybody together to talk. Mm-hmm. And then the deacons and the other leaders, they're going to bring their peace. And we're going to respect each other with a plan. And we all going to work and eat. Mm-hmm. But if I blame the preacher and he blame the deacon, because there ain't no jobs. We need, I remember when the storm hit, came through here and 94? All, the, all the people came up from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was like 2005. What was that, Katrina? That was Katrina, right? That was Katrina. All right. I'm, I'm going to do something y'all going to believe preachers do. I'm going to give props to one of my colleagues. That we don't we do not do nothing together, but we just respect each other. Elder Turner got his men together. And those guys from, from down there, we, we busy trying to find a place for them to lay down. You know what he's thinking about? Can't nobody get out of Avenue of the Pines because they got all them big, pretty pine trees. Let's go over there and get that money. Right. They took some salt, some power saws, and went over there. Everybody from from uh, down there in uh, on the coast was grinning because they had pocket full of money. The preacher knew that service was what people needed, and that the people that was hungry, if he if they wanted to work, they could have anything they wanted because people was in distress. Uh-huh. You need somebody to go and drive up there to get you some food because you can't get out. 
What you need? Make me the menu. This give me twenty dollars. You make five runs like that, you made a hundred dollars that day. And they were making money. Just thinking. <laughs> what does the community need right now? Right. And and just providing for that need and doing your homework so nobody can come back with the RS and try to take your fortune. Well yeah, that's, that's something as as um businessmen, especially African American, I feel like we don't take the time out to really just research. Like we just jump into something. Like um selling bundles is hot right now, selling Nike shirts is hot right now. But do we really need that? We need somebody to come back here and open that locally black owned Walgreens over there next to walls in the hood. We need that. Yeah. And let I don't me, think let, people let, think that let me, let me show you that part of that though. In my business there was a lot of difficulty because Grenada is a corporate town. And when you have um, corporate businesses, that means the money go out of your town. That's right. So I'm talking about something qualitatively different. Mm -hmm. um, Walmart. Walmart produces enough cardboard that could have employed at least two people, $8.50 an hour to start, and five days a week, easy. Mm-hmm. And they do their they own send, recycling, right? Right. But they send their cardboard out. They don't send their cardboard out to make money. They send it out to save money. Mm. You follow me? Mm. What I would say if I if I was the if I was a supervisor, I would have said to Walmart, look, you anything that's created in this community, a certain percentage of it has to be left in this community. Right. I just happened to be the only one in recycling, but R.B. Jones should have been getting 30% of the cardboard. Right. Or, and if it wasn't R.B. Jones, whoever else that was out there. I'm not so self-serving. I'm, I'm, I'm simply saying that when you get, there's some other, Family Dollar. Family Dollar has a rule that all of their cardboard have to be sent back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We didn't do that. But I the don't work there no more. But we the managers, certain managers, Make sure I got all of it. Yeah, thanks. You follow me? You know what I'm saying? I want no money, so, but I made so you got it. So that's the beautiful thing about cities like Las Vegas that people need to visit. And right, right. Else. Um, certain cities in California, you don't, nothing get out. You know, you can't, there have not been a new McDonald's, for instance, in San Francisco since 1954. They don't allow chain businesses to exist in San Francisco. So you'll never see a Walmart, you'll never see a Kroger, you'll never see a Safeway, you'll never see a Piggly Wiggly, you'll never see any of that, you know? Because they want to encourage local entrepreneurship. So you get a Walmart like we got here, and I'm not condemning that, that's, that's fine here, but in there, that what San Francisco's vision was even back then, that nobody could ever open up a tire shop because the big box got it. Nobody could ever open up a clothing store because they can't beat the prices. Nobody could open up an optical shop. So out there, the stores have to make a decision as to what they're going to sell. You know, the cleaners may be downstairs, right there in the neighborhood, and folks live in the upstairs. Right. It's, and the cleaners is locally owned. Right. You know, we have to find some way. The, the only way that a city, a municipality is going to make money, I think I'm right, is retail sales and property taxes. Right. Why is it that the county 
very seldom have to come to the people for taxes and they look like they're geniuses compared to the city of, of, of Grenada, you know, which is a fallacy. Mm -hmm. The reason is, is that you go throughout the county, you see roads being built, you're seeing houses being built, new houses and whatever else. So you got an array of houses that's worth $300,000, $200,000, on and on and on and on. But in the city of Grenada, because we're not tough-skinned enough yet, we have not had, and I'm not criticizing city managers like that, but we have not had that city manager position that was proactive enough to say, look, we have to have some houses in this community that a guy like a city manager can protect his income. Mm -hmm. You can't protect your income with the houses in Grenada. Because they're not, they don't, it's not expensive enough. Yeah. You follow me? So as long as I'm going to be paying $3,000 a year, or $1,600 a year, or $800 a year for a house that's been there for 800 years, the city, he's he going to always have a problem having money. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? He has to put somebody on the ball to say, look, you go out and you find some first-time home buyer programs. You go out, you find this kind of program and that kind of program. So these people can tear some of this stuff down and build some new houses that's going to produce some taxes. Right. People don't mind paying taxes on their property. Right. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So, so there are a lot of things that we can do. And I intend, Lewis Johnson is my council member. And uh, I intend to spend a lot of time just sharing ideas. I'm not going to run him. I'm not going to tell him what to do. I'm not going to be his boss. You can take but I'm going to be in his ear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because these things that I'm talking about, I've seen them work. Mm -hmm. And I will say, from my own personal experience, being um, so close to the Hargrove family, that's one of the things that Mr. Hargrove, he always... Like mm -hmm. he 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 gonna listen to you. Yeah. Like he might not quite see it. He'll even ask you like, "What do you mean?" Mm -hmm. But he'll give you that opportunity to break it down. So that's one of the things that I'm glad that we got as, as a community. We do have people that's already in place that we can go to and be like, and "You can ask." We got we can tell them our idea, and and they'll give us that honest opinion, even if. It might not hit sure. with them right then. Sure. But they'll still tell you, like, I appreciate the fact that you did come to me. I don't think it'll work, but now I appreciate that. And they, they open to listening. And mm -hmm. I don't want to get away from that. Like, I'm, I'm cool with <clears throat> the black power and, and you know, the fist in the air. I'm with that. Mm -hmm. But I'm not, I'm, not in, I'm not into it being all black if it's going to jeopardize the larger picture. Mm-hmm. I understand. I don't trace that's, that's my main thing. Like, I don't, I, I don't care how black it is. Yeah. And I don't care how black you is. Yeah. At the end of the day, if it's going to take the larger picture, I don't want you in office. And I look at you in your eye and I tell you in your face, I don't want you in office if it's going to take that larger yeah, picture. I, I, don't because, trace, I don't trace slave masters, so I, but, that's my philosophy. Because the, 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 the main thing is elevation. We ain't trying to be here no more. We trying to go up. And the only way we're going to do that with positive thought. A lot of collaborating, a lot of fellowshipping, a lot of sitting down, talking, putting the minds together, and we not that negative. Right. I don't care how pro-black you is. If if you if you doing things behind closed doors that I don't like them, you out of office. Well, they, they go for anybody. They, that's anybody. It's black, white, anything. It's people if, also if you, out there. If you're not working for your, your constituents or you're not representing the people that you're supposed to represent correctly, you, you don't deserve to be where you're at. Yeah. So... But it's some people you, you that live in luxury, people, though. You got to get people to relate to you. Because at the end of the day, a lot of people look at it like, 
Like I had a homeboy tell me that, um the other weekend. Like he had he, he had a complaint as far as like um with recreation and um jobs and all that good stuff, right? And so I told him, you know, you need to go to your local people, you need to start voting and start looking at what's going on. Because who you voting for? He said, I don't vote. I said, that's a very problem right there. Like, that's your main problem, because you ain't paying attention to what's going on. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not a philosopher at this. I just started. But at the end of the day, I understand how strong my word is in the ward that I'm in. I'm in Ward right. 5. You get what I'm saying? So, how, how I move and how I operate in Ward 5, my voice is loud. Like, you might not hear me, but everybody else... They stand in Ward 5 from Huntington, cross, cross tracks over there on Railroad and McMullen and Mascalico, all the way to Eastern Heights. They recognize that voice. So, right. if if I know I got that power, if I know I got it, I'm not finna let that be jeopardized by somebody that's trying to get in here that got a, another agenda. So, I think people need to understand the importance of it. Like, right now, like, people don't feel like this special election is even special. They don't even care. They don't even really care about it because they got to vote again in May. They thinking about how much time they waste. They, they feel like it's a waste of time. You were, you were talking about, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping. Yeah, I'm with you. We can, we can go all night. You were talking about teachers mm -hmm. and how important it is but how neglected it is. And I was mm -hmm. trying to think about Grenada in the new generation. Right. Um. Men, mm -hmm. Wesley Richardson, yep. teacher, coach of young men, mm -hmm. state championship winner in Oklahoma. For sure. His brother, Shelton Richardson, schoolmaster, mm -hmm. former quarterback, taking it down to Holmes Community College, and then now having um, state leadership teams in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Chris Hardiman. Yeah, I remember Chris Hardiman with the glasses. School, yeah. school, school principal. Mm -hmm. You know, he was principal now. School yeah, principal up up in the Memphis area. That's what's you up. know, <clears throat> our men who got put in a thing and really making some real bit boss moves in the lives of families and children. Mm -hmm. um, I went back to that to say something that he said. If somebody tells you positive that it can be done, um, it gives you something to reach for. For sure. And we do have some people that were influenced by people like Michael Freelon, the school teacher oh, who taught algebra and who who got a lot of people through those those uh, in classes. You know. Fun fact: I had no kind of love, Mister Mr. Freelon, in school. He got me. Like, he used to hell me. He used to throw me in the back of the head, and I ain't like it. Nah, <laughs> but, but I love him though. But 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 I'm talking about the number of people who wouldn't have got through algebra. Facts. That Facts. That, that that tenth grade. And one he of wasn't there. Be, before him, it was a man named Coach Edmund mm -hmm. and a man named Mister Beauclair. Mm -hmm. People who they didn't make so much money doing that one thing. But see, this is the thing about black men making a living. And when you talk about living in luxury, right. you know, I got a wife that drives to Jackson every day. Every day. To work. She got a husband that did it for 13 years. Mm -hmm. You know, in a small town like this. And, and who also worked second job as a pastor and then a third job as a city councilman. That's three jobs 
that's three sets of insurance, but that's the person that worked because he was bald-headed. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about people living in luxury, check out whether they do what it takes to be responsible to have something. Because on one income, you look at the single mothers, the ones that's bosses, that's driving their own cars and paying their own bills, mm -hmm. independent, that, that songwriter said right. that time. Them sisters working two jobs. Mm -hmm. they, they they making programs on the side for funerals and calling me to find out Reverend Hargrove is anybody that need anybody that do any washing and ironing for them. These are people that's dependent, that's determined to have some money. One lady called me, she said, any of the clothes that people send you that y'all are not going to do nothing with, I have a thing on Sabbaths that people come to my house. I wash them, I fold them, I clean them. I put them in the hands of people for a little nothing around my road. And it would help me if y'all not going to do nothing with them. And I said to her, you got the business. She said, I have people from, from Calhoun County that come down to my stuff because I put it on Facebook. Mm. If you set a goal for yourself and are willing to get out there, it's out there, right? It's out there. Right here in Grenada. And mm -hmm. it ain't all dope money. Right. That's, mm -hmm. You know, that's how come I have so much respect and love for the people in my ward because I know that there's some people in my ward that if it wasn't for them, Grenada wouldn't be what it is. So, so let me ask you a question already. Because um, we, we talk about, you know, all the good things. What was one of the lowest points in your life that you can, because it, it don't necessarily mean um, a time you was broke or anything like that, mm -hmm. but just a really, really dark time in your life. Cause we never talked about that. We talk about everything. Name a time when you was in that really, really dark space in your life. Wow, you know, that's a funny thing for a 61-year-old man. Mm -hmm. You done seen some dark <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. I think probably for me, transition times. Right. Uh, times when you have to make up in your mind um, whether or not you are making the right kind of choices in life. Right. And for me, that was a time uh, probably around 1999-2000 when I was recently elected to the city council and it conflicted with my ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, I was reassigned away from Grenada uh, because the person who was my boss, my bishop, he thought that a preacher shouldn't be in politics. Mm. So when I won, he moved me away. And I had to decide what what I felt I was supposed to do. Was God telling me to move? You know, which is the tr traditional thing. You do what you're told church-wise. It's obedience. Or was I supposed to stay here because I had just started and I wouldn't finish? And I thought I was supposed to stay here. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, when you have an opinion, other people have other opinions. So it was discussion. Uh -huh. And that's when I got the power to be disliked. Mm. You have to have some, some power mm -hmm. to be disliked. Mm -hmm. To say, you don't like it, and it's okay. Right. Got to have to skin. You know, and that's when I start being a grown man. Uh -huh. And making choices that I think God is pleased with. But that people would never understand. Because some people just are all for self. Right. Uh, and... That was a dark time, but it brought a lot of light to my family because right. my children learned that it's not about money. Uh -uh. And it's, and that if you do the right thing, God will show you where the money is. Right. Mm -hmm. But you have to be willing to do what this gentleman said, come out of the box, come out of the promises that if you go to the right schools, get the right day. Sometimes you have to take 
but you got to work with it right. and make something new and dig and be creative. Mm-hmm. You know, at our church, we went to non-traditional route. We bought a strip mall so that we could incubate people like Jeff Johnson, mm-hmm. who was over there uh, renting from Dolly Mascalas on them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we went over there and got him from over there with Trotter and them, and he been booming mm-hmm. on his own over there in a black-owned business that the church owned. Because mm-hmm. we felt like rather than get a big fine building, it would be better to put people to work. Right. And so you got Pooh over there with Expressions Beauty Shop. Mm-hmm. She had been downtown. She had been over there booming. You know, I can go down that road and tell you that people who had a plan mm-hmm. and set some goals, they have flourished, and they were young black people. But you know, instead of me looking down my nose on them like I was something from Atlanta. I told them, yes, you can. And then I put the rent where they could afford it. Mm-hmm. And they've been great tenants. Mm-hmm. The biker boys, you know, people want to talk about their, what they used to be, you know, in gangs and stuff. Right. But those young men oh, give back smart. to the community. Man, and, they, and, they, and they talk to the young men I need them to talk to. We collaborated with them a few times. But the same for you, Mr. John. Like, what was one of them dark moments in your lifetime? Well, there have been, there have been some. I um, uh, just, my father was, my father, of course, was born and raised here in the South, in Grenada County. Mm-hmm. But he was a natural kind of man. He knew his role. He knew a black, a black man, what his limits were. Mm-hmm. But when my father had enough, he would say to the other folks, that's enough. Um, he would say to people where we sharecropped, uh, "Don't strike my son or my sons. Don't hit. Don't hit my children." Mm-hmm. You know. And um, my mother would, my mother would, a lot of times live in fear, because that was her husband, and she knew what would happen to black men that stood up. And she knew as well that she could not stop my father from thinking the way he thought. Right. So we, we, we listened to a lot of conversations where my mother would be pleading with my father. And some things she wouldn't even share with him because she knew that he would have to. He had to handle it. He would have to handle it. And um, that, was, that was trying. That's what, that's what motivated me to get involved in the movement. Uh-huh. Unfortunately for me, I, uh, I was recognized as being mature before I was really, really mature when mm-hmm. it came to the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Because I was, I was respected within the organization for being, for being nonviolent, and that was a struggle for me because I've never been, well, I've never been really, I've, you know. Right, celebrating and, the uh, battle and that of was, violence. That was just very difficult for me. Mentally you understood it, but emotionally. Yeah, that, yeah. that makes you but stronger was, though because yeah. they're still, you know, they're still control. But other folks' lives depended upon me. Right. Mm-hmm. So I had to, I had to stay committed. Wow. Um, when folks went to jail, parchment, they put me in the old jail, where the new jail is now. Mm-hmm. It had been closed 14 years. The doors wouldn't even lock. You couldn't sleep in the bed because in the mattresses you could see the rats mm-hmm. moving in the mattress mm-hmm. and whatever else. I was the only one that they put in the jail. They sent everybody else to parchment. And I remember my father 
was down and he said to me, he said, he, he said, son, do you want to get out? And I had to say no, you know. And my mother was there, she was crying, oh son, come on, son, oh, I'm my baby, you know, whatever else. And I just had to say no. Because um, everybody else was on the truck going to parchment, right. you know. And I, uh, those were just trying times, trying, trying times. Um, I had a son that uh, got hit by a car when he was six. He was thrown 40 feet in the air. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I got to the hospital, we didn't have cell phones then, I worked for Coca-Cola. And so they knew where I was supposed to be on the route, so they said when the Coca-Cola man get to have him called to the office, then I called. You got to get to Stanford University Hospital. Your son has been in an accident. You need to go. So they called the police so the police could escort me. I'm driving a great big Coca-Cola truck mm-hmm. trying to go 14 miles, you know. Mm-hmm. And I got there, and I, my son was just in, he was just like on a rotisserie. I couldn't tell his head from the rest of his body. Shoot. My faith was not as strong as it is now. But I had a wife and a son that that was there, and my wife was pregnant. And I know they needed me, so I couldn't act any other way but the way I acted. Mm -hmm. That's tough. That's hard. He lived a year like on a rotisserie, literally no part of his body touching the bed. And um, trying to articulate all of that. Mm-hmm. Still having to work, mm-hmm. you know, because the job. It don't stop. They don't. It yeah, stop, don't you know, stop. Whatever don't else. Stop. And so, um, but my father was living, and he was everything that I needed. He was everything that I wasn't. So he said, "Son, you go to work, and I go to the cross," and it was done. I didn't understand it, but it was a feeling that came over mm-hmm. that it was going to be all right, so I could function. As a husband, I could function as a father. I could do all of that stuff, you know, and whatever else. So, um, in politics, there was an indictment um, because I voted against some businesses coming to town, big businesses. They would have provided the jobs, but they would not have provided enough money in terms of salary mm-hmm. to pay head of households. Mm. So, I went with some smaller businesses that would pay more. You know, fewer people, but pay more, more. and whatever else. That didn't go well with with big businesses and whatever else, so they orchestrated some things. You had to pay a price. My my position was, the position that they gave me, they offered me, was that I could say that I had a drug problem, I would get six months detention, and it'll be done. I couldn't do that because I never used drugs. My family, my friends, my supporters knew that I did, so I had to bite the bullet, you know? Um, so there have been any number of things. I'm, I'm the leader of my family. And um, there, I have 10 brothers and sisters that are actually older than me, not some of them passed on now. And so I got a million nieces and nephews. They're doing things, they act a certain way that have never been incumbent upon my family. My family never acted that way. But they are doing those things, you know, working two jobs, taking care of a man that won't work, don't work. Uh, being involved in domestic violence won't say nothing, you know. Um, uh, being on drugs, can't hold a job, don't want to hold a job. Babies here, babies there, babies whatever else. This is in my own family. Mm-hmm. That hurts me because I was left in a position by my folks, you know, in writing by my father, that you take care of this family. You lead this family. Mm-hmm. They're 10 older than me. So if you got mm-hmm. older siblings, why are you going to leave me? You know, you're not going to leave me. Nothing. You're not, mm-hmm. so it's a constant battle to just 
to stay balanced, mm -hmm. to stay transparent, to stay whatever else. So there are a whole lot of things, but I know that God carries you through troubled waters because he knows your enemies can't swim. So, right. And that's just the way I look at it. I just mm -hmm. jump in the water, and if he got me, he got me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't be flailing. I don't be kicking. Mm -hmm. I don't be doing nothing. I just go. Yeah, swim. You know, so I don't even look back because I know my enemies can't swim. Right. You know? And uh, and it helps me get through the day. Um, even this with this job. I, I, I am truly an environmentalist. I'm not I'm not one to just a recycler. Mm -hmm. You know, so just to make the money and whatever else. I want, I pray for wealth. I pray for prosperity. I pray for all of that because my God got it. There's no reason that I can see he wouldn't want me to have it. Right. You know, I don't criticize other people's blessings. I don't, they got blessed. They got blessed for a reason. They got blessed their way. That's right. That had nothing to do with me whatsoever. So I want all of those things. But, you know, God knows that every time he blesses me, he take a chance on losing. You know? Mm -hmm. So he's not one of confusion, so he don't keep me humble by doing mean things to me. You know, but he got things that he want me to do. Mm -hmm. So in order to get me to do them, he have to keep me in a certain place, you know, uh, keep me in a certain space, a certain kind of mindset, a certain kind of heart set. And I've just learned to go with that. So for 70, I just, I look good because I just, <coughs> I have peace. Right. You know what I'm saying? So. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't, I can't imagine a man, woman, or child that I hate. I would never, I would never say I hate somebody. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't. I, I'm not. It's not even possible for me. Wow, oh, that's tough. That's you know what I'm saying? I can't say the same. Thing. Yeah, and that's and this way mm -hmm. with, with, with women. My success with women is that yeah. there's nobody gonna have anything bad to say about me. But if I can't live in peace with a woman, then I, I can't, I can't live with that woman. Yeah, Margot had an important message for you. What's that now? Cause Kyle and I had a conversation about that. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's that's part it's of the problem. Yeah, what's that? It's your age. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I'm 33. I just turned 33 in February. I I wasn't on no podcast talking to the community. Mm-hmm. I was I wasn't thinking about politics. Mm-hmm. I, I ran for city council at 42, and I was the young person then. Yeah, I remember. I remember you telling me that. And the and the deal is. Usually you don't see a, a colonel or somebody that's a full-fledged general at 26 with all them bars. Nah. You, you see them somewhere in the general's quarters doing what we're doing to the general tonight. Mm -hmm. Hearing about the different battles. Mm -hmm. You know, as a black man, the battle for my family. As a black man, the battle for my sanity to be the head of my home. Mm -hmm. As a black man, the battle to respect my extended family, even when they don't keep the rules that we was trained to keep, uh, and to still be trying to craft some kind of sentiment to make them have some self-love and respect. It's the struggle of black men in our age to keep a positive picture because the media has given our men much less alternatives. True that. I mean, no, nobody gave us a gun unless it was to learn how to hunt. And they teach y'all on video games how to take life and have sex in the back seat in the same 30 seconds of play. Right. You, keep know, you know, which is a total degeneration of if you and you go out there and I come back and he beat up, I'm whooping your behind. Right. Because I sent y'all out of here together. Exactly. You know, the training that has made our, our community not be violent. 
And even though we didn't have no money, they wasn't killing every Saturday night. Uh-huh. And now we have much more. But I'm sure you hear the same sirens I hear in Grenada. Mm-hmm. And your heart raced the same way to Facebook to see, mm-hmm. is everybody I know okay? Mm-hmm. You know, but listening to him and listening to other people who have invested in back, giving back, you hear some of the same things. We still feel responsible at our age mm-hmm. to try to pass a torch uh, and to say, you got to learn the rules so you can get the benefit of them. Right. Well, the older class is for counsel, and the, the younger men are supposed to be the warriors, and we kind of losing our warriors. Pool, yeah. And the older guys are not interested in being counsel because the warriors don't look interested in being warriors. And yeah. we just, the generational gap just grows and grows. What and you know? It kind of just brings me back to, uh, like, I had those same thoughts today earlier. Uh, what you just said about the video game. But I was thinking more on the music scene. I was thinking about how our music is the only music where we uh, celebrate harming another person and then moving on by the day like it's nothing. You don't hear that really in rock. You might hear other stuff in rock, drug usage and women and stuff. But you don't hear about like killing somebody and celebrating. Yeah, I shot that nigga, blah, blah, blah. And it's turned to our culture. And that sparked from hearing somebody else having a conversation. Talking about somebody they knew, what they did to somebody and how he acted and mm-hmm. how cool it was and them all like, ain't really cool. Most, most celebrating folks, that you killed somebody. Most folks that that wears, um, most folks that, that wear sagging pants, mm-hmm. they don't have a clue where they come from. Right. Mm-hmm. At the prison riot in Attica, mm-hmm. President Reagan was the president at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, um, after the fight was over and after the killing was done, um, they took away all of the belts. The traditional belts mm-hmm. and whatever else, and start giving them like the soldiers yeah, wear yeah. and whatever else, and um, and and because they were taking those belts buckles and they were making shanks out of them mm-hmm. and killing each other in jail and whatever else. So when President Reagan, when the, when the Department of, of, uh, of Prisons uh, issued their their mandates, they took all those belts away. Okay, so what happens? They took the belts away. Folks in prison, the pants start sagging. Okay. So this uncle, this brother, this daddy would come home from prison. They didn't, the media and everybody else that built it up, this gangster, this, 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 and whatever else. So now he's being admired. He's being admired by his son, by his nephews, by his neighbors, by his cousins, and whatever else. So they start wearing their pants sagging down. Everybody so, had this, <clears throat> you know? this, this mythical story that... It was some homosexuality involved in it. They said nah. it was inviting homosexuality. Nah, no. Nah. But uh, nah. so why why didn't the baggy pants like um, go into like the white community? Like why they didn't catch on? Because because families did not tolerate that. Right. They disowned. Let, 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 just let me tell you what happened one night. <laughs> one night, and I was the mayor, and uh, I was playing dominoes. Eleven o'clock at night, and my buddies was at the local pool room playing dominoes. My wife called me, and she says, uh, I need you to come home. Um, something's going on. Not life or death, but I need you to come home. Something's going on with Mandelot, my oldest son. So I get up, and I go home. What's going on? She said, well, he's down at the police station, and uh, they call here. He called here for you. They let him make a call. They called for you, and and you need to go down there. You need to do whatever else. Well, he had told them he was my son, and so they knew, you yeah. know. That I was the mayor of the next city. Mm-hmm. And so I goes down, so what's going on? And um, the police 
person told me, he says, well, uh, Mr. Jones, uh, there was a group of them walking down the street. They was coming from the movies or from someplace and whatever else. It was 1.30 in the morning, and they were making a lot of noise, and some of the folks, you know, called the police. And we, you know, we sent people down to check them out and whatever else. A couple of the guys got really arrogant, smart, and what have you, so we just brought them all in. You know, so I want to just say, though, that your son was no problem. You know, he was mannerable, he was this and he was that and whatever else. That could have been blowing smoke, but it's okay. Mm -hmm. And so I said to him, so my son's sitting there looking, and so I said, okay, I'll take him home. And I told him, I said, son, I know that you have some issues and you're upset, but that's the kind of community I'm trying to create. Mm -hmm. That if something unusual or something unnatural is going on, that some of us, some of us on our street, Mm -hmm. Somebody on our streets would call the police and say, hey, something unusual is going on, you know, and whatever. That's, that's the kind of behavior that I wish that we could exhibit in our community. Right. I came up here tonight on my way here. Mm -hmm. I turned in right there. Mm -hmm. There was a young man, had his no shirt on, mm -hmm. some short pants, a bunch of kids playing over there in the corner. With a back brace on? Did he have a back brace on? I, I don't know. No, I don't think so. No. Mm -hmm. But I mean, cussing every kind of word you could imagine. Mm -hmm. The kids stopped playing. They were just in there listening. There were three <laughs> other brothers over here in a car. Mm -hmm. And they was out. talking back and forth to him. And this went on. I, I pulled over on the side. They had a the whole conversation. There, there was other men who had come out of their door. And they would just sit there and just look and listen. They were saying, hey, Mr. Jones, hey, Mr. Arby, and whatever else. Mm -hmm. They grown men, got families, and whatever else. And I'm saying to myself, that couldn't happen on my block. It yeah. couldn't go on that long without me calling the police. Yeah, I wouldn't care. Where you stay. I no doubt about it. In no doubt about no it. Word. But yeah. on the other hand, when what happened? When you call the police, mm -hmm. and then when you call the police, it's, 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 it's going to turn to a long day. Then you're a bad person. It's no. going to turn to a long day. Yeah. Then, but, but but you but you stop but, a lot of murder. Yeah. But See? if you don't if you don't stand for something, you fall for anything. Fall for anything. Yeah, so Say if, it again, Mister RB. So if I have a woman that don't expect me to protect her and protect our children, then that's that's much worse than being a snitch. Right. Them. right. You, you follow what I'm saying? If you don't do what's necessary. Somebody had to bite the bullet. Yeah. This past this past uh, weekend, we had our family reunion. We saw Sydney up Saturday night at the banquet, and my niece, Diane Brown, uh, was at the door. She was one of the committed folks. Mm -hmm. It was at the Lewis Johnson Center. All this cursing, this cursing, everybody stopped and looking, whatever else the program going on. I got up, and I went to the door. When I was approaching the door, Tony Parker says, Oh, you motherfuckers, I know, I know, I know. Then when I started putting the door, he said, Oh, yeah, uh, Mr. Doc Jones, Mr. Doc Jones, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. My dad, and that's what he called my mm -hmm. dad. He had great respect for my father. So I said, Look, man, Tony, you got to go. Well, I grew up with I'm coming back. I said, No, no. I said, Because you're going to put me in an awkward situation. Right. This is my niece, and these other ladies are my cousins. If you push one of them, put your hands on one of them, then now you're going to force me to act unnatural. Mm-hmm. You know? So to help me, you leave. I got on the phone. I called the police. He said, I have some out of there in a minute. They came. I He wanted to know, did we want him arrested? I asked the committee member, do you want this guy arrested? One or the other. But when I looked behind me, after I went first, there were like 20 young Joneses mm -hmm. that came up. Oh, don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, Mr. Jones. Don't worry about it. We got it. We got it. We got it. And I calmed them down and whatever else. There have been Jackie Craig, Jackie Towns, you may know her, mm -hmm. called me and told me and said at least seven people called her back from Chicago or whatever else that's in the family, thanking, thanking me 
for taking that position. The value in it for me is that there are other young men who said, look, we got to protect our family. Yeah, they stood up with you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just I just happened to be the catalyst. I, I did it instinctly. I didn't plan nothing. Now you know it's yeah. going to happen or whatever else. But that, that, the real value is is that I can be an example. Right. You know? Now we're talking about the police. Another example. Um, my wife called me one night. My mother and father from here in Grenada, old folks, was visiting me in California. I came into the house. My father says, uh, so son, your wife just called, and Jeanette just called, and uh, she's down at the police station. Okay. So I call. Yeah, Mr. Jones. I knew the sheriff. I knew the chief. I knew that, 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 that. So I goes down. And I said, what's, what's going on? He said, well, Mr. Jones, um, the one of my officers put the light on your wife at Willow Road. Mm. And she didn't stop until she got the cabin off. And, uh, you know, we, 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 we can't have that. So he brought her in. I said, well, let me, let me just tell you why she did that. She did that, first of all, because I told her that's what to do. Mm -hmm. I said, but she really did it to save your officer's life. Because I told her that when the police put a light on you, you drive where you see light or people. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and then you stop and then you do whatever has to be done and whatever else. That's what you do under all circumstances. Because, Chief, the first time she come home and tell me that as a black woman, or as a woman, period. That she was mistreated on you know, the stop. That she was mistreated, that she was approached, that she was fundled, that she was whatever else and stuff, then your officer going to have a problem. And, and it won't be handled by the court of law. So just to, protect, being alpha male. to protect everybody, she did what I asked her to do. And then you should relate to your officers that whenever you stop Mrs. Jones, just follow her until she get to the light. She's not going to try to run away and whatever else. And then when she get to the light, you can give her a ticket. You can do whatever you need to do, you know. But right. but tell them not to ever stop her and expect mm. her to stop in the dark. I'm telling you, and that's just good advice for anybody. Don't stop. So in the dark. so we need to we need to teach our young folks, our young men, how to protect our young women, mm -hmm. and how to protect our families, and how to handle those situations. And how to handle those situations. Yeah, I'm with you. Know? And so, so it's just, it's modeling is what I call it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just nothing more than just modeling, just being who you are. Scrap, you got something you want to follow with? Yeah, I'm looking at um, the 2010 census um, in Grenada County. And it's saying that the total population was 13,092 people. So we should be. And I'm sure larger than that then. Yeah, pretty, pretty much, but it should be. City of County. Um, this is total. This is this is total population. Hold on, let me let me get it all the way in for you. It's not thirteen thousand in the city now, is it? I think it's more. I think it's way more than that. Let's see. Hold on, one second. Because the county, I'm thinking, might be closer to twenty thousand, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and the city might be closer to twelve to thirteen thousand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was two thousand ten. So let's see. Total population was 13,092. Uh, African Americans took up 7,027 of those counts. That's in 2010. Mm -hmm. um, in 2000, it was 14,879. So it was a dip, actually, mm -hmm. from then. So the importance of black people doing their census, this is what I'm getting to, right? Mm -hmm. the, the importance of black people taking their census and and completing it and turning it in, how crucial 
and how detrimental it can be to um for the city. So Real Margo, is there like any um initiatives or projects we have coming up to inform people of the census or Yes, we started um with a young lady that's uh, out of Jackson and that's responsible for this area. Mm-hmm. And she has people under her. She came to council meeting. She also came to one of my ward meetings. But we will be trying to get her back up here. Right now, we're just trying to make sure that we don't drop the ball in any areas. And so I know Miss White is going to pick up. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, I'm sure she's aware of the uh, census uh, process. Because mm-hmm. in the Hattiesburg area, she was working with the census down mm-hmm. there. But um, I feel confident that we're on the right road. We have some people that are speaking about it and keeping the people aware. But uh, the follow through is going to be what's important. Mm-hmm. The follow, and so churches um, and other people who did, like for example, tonight one of the lodges is having a special event that they have every every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a revival at one of the churches. All these information centers. Mm-hmm. Now the voters' education project, they give money for for that during the census. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. so. Um, is it possible to like to get into homes and or some get on campus at homes and kind of like um spread the importance of doing it? Check with the office mm-hmm. and yeah. find out where they have public areas of information mm-hmm. and schedule uh, small talks. Mm-hmm. You know, for people to come there and uh, either in the break area or in times where people are clustered together. Mm-hmm. And if you want to facilitate that kind of talking. Some of us can either come or people that are being paid by census to come mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they want to get the information. That sounds mm-hmm. like a good move. Yeah. There's a young man out there, great young man. He's a, he's high up in the administration. He's a brother. And um, I can't think of his name now, but he's really social. He's really really nice guy. Yeah, be a good, great person. Um, um, Josh's wife, Jessica, mm-hmm. works Jessica. out there. Mm-hmm. And, me here. You know, and so... You know, there's there's some there's some some people out there that could if they couldn't do it, they could certainly point you to to That's some true. kind of direction. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the things that strike me on this census thing is that there were more black people than white people. This in the city. Cause I think this is census real map data and statistic pages for all state counties and cities. Mm-hmm. But you know, in in the in in the in the wards, there are in the predominantly black wards, there are some white people. Mm-hmm. In the predominantly white wards, there are some black people. Mm-hmm. Now, ordinarily, I would be against the ward system because I'm not, I didn't come from that. Mm-hmm. But I I understand why it was necessary to create the ward system mm-hmm. because we would have never had representation, mm-hmm. you know, if it had not been for that. That's right. But the trick of the trade is, is that it's too difficult to lead two cities mm-hmm. and to be effective. You know, a county and a city. Um, I had that problem with Hispanics and blacks, whites, and some Pacific Islanders. And you can't do it unless you have some kind of way to develop some common denominators. Mm-hmm. You know, and whatever else. And. Um, I, I would ask my staff and I would ask my city council members to refrain from uh, identifying our constituents 
as black and as brown, as white, as this, as that, as that, and whatever else, because we can never get to the nutshell. And just let me tell you how this affected right now. In 10 years, India will be the largest population of any country on the face of the earth. Gosh. India. Right now, and it's been that way for the last 15 years, Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. right there where Stanford University is in Santa Clara County, 80% of the engineers were from India. Yeah. The top engineering schools in the world today is in yes, India. So why is it that we're still teaching our young children to speak Spanish when we don't India. even have any imports from China? You know, right. I mean, from, from, from Mexico. And I'm not down in Mexican people. I'm not, that's, that ain't, that, that's not where I am with it. I'm saying that we, we as a people, we need to begin to think strategically and so that we can determine where we're going to fit. Business-wise. You follow what I'm saying? Right. Why would we teach our children, other than from a cultural perspective, how to speak Swahili? Right. There's that, something else African of you understand what I'm saying? That's a cultural thing. If you want yeah. to do that, that's fine. Culturally, yeah. But if you're looking for a job, if you're looking for a way to integrate into the world's economy, you know, into global affairs and whatever else, you don't go where the people are. You know, you may want to learn how to speak Punjab. Yeah. You may want to go over there and teach. If you're a teacher. Man. You may want to go over there and be an engineer. You, you may want to go with the infrastructure because woo. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And 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 um, it, and that's why I'm big on vocational education. I believe that that teaching everybody to go to Harvard don't even want lawyers anymore. Because right. they're tired of turning out presidents. That's all they do. Mm -hmm. You know. Oh, they need more. So again, so they can't compete because they can't do nothing but turn out presidents. Right. And but, and and so I I want us to kind of like retrain our thing to think global. You know. To think, where am I going to be five years from now? What would the market be? What what would I, you know, uh, the greatest producer of silk? So if you want to be um, um, fashion designer, if you want to be um, a seamstress, if you want to be all of these kind of things, why wouldn't you? All those Lay, people represent that. Why would you want to learn some Mandarin? Right. You know. Um. Quick. Quick. Um. Correction, real quick. Um, Grenada County um, counts 21,906 people. Um, black and African American, they're going to be 9,140. Um, and white, 12,465. So, county wide. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's the county. The, the one that they showed me was the city. Mm -hmm. So, the, the, the numbers that I gave at first, they were for the city. Mm -hmm. And then, there it is. That's it. So listen, man, we had a great talk tonight, man. I appreciate y'all guys coming yeah. up. Yeah. Mr. Jones, yes, sir. It's always a pleasure yes, to have you come up here and yes, talk to yes, us. Um, listen, a lot of um, good information came out of this, man. I want to just thank y'all. Man, this Mastermind Podcast number 65. Ah, you got it right this time. And there it is, man. We're going to holler at y'all.